Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by HeyYA, Book Riot's own podcast about all things young adult lit. It's a bi-weekly podcast from our YA experts, enthusiasts, and authors, Kelly Jensen and Eric Smith. The show delves into YA trends, adaptations, news, and boatloads of young adult book recommendations of all kinds. Each episode is guaranteed to amp up your TBR and leave you feeling excited about the wide and wonderful world of young adult books. Listen to Hey YA on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 81, and we're recording on June 12th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today our theme is most anticipated reads for the second half of 2020. There are so many, y'all. So many. It was <laughs> real hard to narrow it down. <laughs> Having a series to talk about next time helped me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, being able to rule out series books was very useful for sure. But it was still tricky. It was um, still tricky. But that's okay. That's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, you know, for probably, hopefully, obvious reasons, uh, we wanted to give some anti-racist science fiction and fantasy picks. Yes, Sharifa? Yes. Uh, I definitely wanted to... I just had to give a shout-out. Do you mind if I if I go first? No, please. I definitely wanted to give a shout-out to Riot Baby by Tochi Onyebuchi because I cannot... I almost cannot believe how timely that book is and when I was reading it earlier this year it felt timely then and now it's every time um, I hear the news or see the headlines about the protests I just think about that book Um, so in case you don't remember I did talk about it a previous episode it's a it's a science fiction story that takes place. It begins sort of around the LA riots that happened in 1992. So lots of parallels happening here. And it's just a fantastic read. And this isn't the last time you'll hear Tochi Onyebuchi's name in this episode. So um, I definitely think if you haven't picked it up yet, it's a really great book to check out. Um if you want some perspective on what's happening with the black community and the feelings especially that are going around within the black community, I recommend it. It's really heavy reading, just so you know, lots of trigger warnings, basically all of them. So um, if you have the bandwidth, check out Riot Baby by Tochiani Bucci. Yeah, I've got a note to talk about an essay he wrote later. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to read that book, slash afraid, but mostly excited. Yeah, (laughs) that's (laughs) that's the right blend of emotions. Yeah, I was going to say, that pretty much sums up everything right about now. Like, I'm excited to get the work done. Also, like, wow, this is a lot. Um, But Mm -hmm. that's okay, because that's the work. 
And so my anti-racist science fiction fantasy pick, which I've also talked about on the show before, but seems like very appropriate for the moment, is The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin, which I do think is more on the lighthearted side while still dealing with these incredibly intense issues of discrimination and racism and like gentrification and racial politics and stereotyping and police actions and New York. And it's just like it's all in there. I think I said I've said this to multiple people that it's kind of like N.K. Jemisin wrote a social justice Avengers movie into a book. So It is a great starting point. There's lots of great discussions to be had based on certain of the characters. Shout out Staten Island. Um, (laughs) And and N.K. Jemisin has been doing anti-racist work for years. Um, Just her very existence has been has made her the target of racism in the science fiction community, on the internet, etc. So she is worth following in so many ways. Um, and yeah, City We Became, N.K. Jemison, Pick it up. So good. Yeah. We're going to talk about news, but before we do, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is the Harbinger series by Jennifer L. Armentrout, published by Inkyard Press. Half-Angel, Trinity, and her bonded gargoyle protector Zane have been working with demons to stop the apocalypse while avoiding falling in love. The Harbinger is coming, but who or what is it? All of humankind may fall if Trinity and Zane can't win the race against time as dark forces gather. Don't miss Rage and Ruin, book two in the fantastical Harbinger trilogy from the number one New York Times bestselling author Jennifer L. Armentrout. So this is a world of gargoyle protectors, rising demons, there's a girl with an explosive secret, and it sounds like a very world-building, very exciting read. So you can get the first two books now wherever books, ebooks, and audiobooks are sold. Thank you for sponsoring the show. All (laughs) right. Yes. Let's talk news. Let's do it. Um, do you have a note here I, you want? Yeah, I do. I have a correction because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this. So embarrassing. I last episode misidentified the website that gave us the shout out on their SFF podcasts roundup. It is Fantasy Faction not fantasy fiction. So thank you to the commenter, the podcast episode commenter who alerted me to the mistake. I super appreciate it. A thousand apologies to fantasy faction. And thank you again for including us in that roundup. Everybody go check their website out. (laughs) I mean, fantasy fiction isn't isn't an unlikely name. No, but I actually kind of, I love the idea of fantasy faction, actually. I know. It's it's, it's Clever. It's our punny notes that we love so much. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had noticed it correctly the first time. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, so I'm going to kick us off with the Nebula Awards, which were announced uh, fairly recently, but it was uh, toward the end of May. And so we've got the winners here, and it looks like the novel that won is one I have not read and honestly haven't heard a lot about in my particular circle of SFF. It's A Song for a New Day by Sarah Pinsker. 
and I looked it up and it's a pandemic book, which is like, yeah. wow. <laughs> it was a it was a foretelling. Um so if you're looking for some cathartic pandemic books, there is now one that won a nebula, so maybe you should check that out. Again, still disappointed in the lack of diversity in the novel category, and perhaps even more so right now. Um, but I'm hoping next year we'll see a lot more. In, and in novella, this is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone one, which I know lots of people, I think you were raving about it as well, Jen. It's real good. I, yeah. It's hard for me because The Deep was also up for that by River Solomon with yes. David Diggs, William Hudson, and Jonathan Snipes. And like, it's hard to compare the two. They're doing very different things. There's also a Ted Chang and a P. Jelly Clark. Like the number, the novella category this year is bonkers good. Like, it's, I don't know how I would have picked a winner, to be 100% honest. So I'm happy for This Is How You Lose the Time War, but, like, even more so, everybody read all of those novellas. Like, just read all of them. What else are you just, doing? <laughs> yeah, you would just have to, like, throw the books up in the air and see which one you catch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They sound amazing. And it's funny because I feel like there are so, so many more amazing novellas coming out. And mm -hmm. a lot of them are coming out by authors of color, um, which I'm really excited about. I love seeing those books. And I'm actually going to be talking about one later. Uh, but you can check out the full list in Novelette Carpe Glitter by Cat Rambo 1. And a short story by A.T. Greenblatt, Give the Family My Love, won um, in that category. And there are, of course, other awards like YA Science Fiction and Fantasy, which got uh, Fran Wilde, the author of River Riverland, won for that. Sorry, I can't speak today. Um, <laughs> but the full list is available for you. You can check that out. I always love to see the full list anyway. Uh, with the finalists because it makes for a great TBRing. Indeed. Well, to piggyback on that news piece, mm -hmm. so Sarah Pinsker, I have not read A Song for a New Day, uh, but I have read her short story collection, Sooner or Later Everything Falls into the Sea, which is, for the record, fantastic. And I was excited to see very recently, I think it was like announced yesterday at the time of this recording, that A Song for a New Day is actually in the works as a TV series. So, you know, she's having like a real good moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. She won a Nebula and now it got picked up for a TV series, which is very exciting. And it's always interesting to see a novel get picked up for a TV series, right? Like usually I'm used yeah. to seeing serieses get picked up for TV. But this is a this is just just the one so far anyway. I don't actually know if there's more planned if it's the, meant to be the first in a series or not. But uh so far it's just a singular book and and here they are. They're going to make a they're going to make a TV show out of it. I think it's interesting. I do wonder if they're going to take maybe the essence and the characters in the store in the book and then expand on it like they did with you know the handmaid's tale sure um, but it doesn't of course we don't have that much information about it but the only other time i see or i think like oh i can see that happening where a 
a book is turned into a series is when it's an absolute doorstopper. Yes. And I'm not sure actually if this one is a big tome, but um, I it, it doesn't necessarily sound like it. So... I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, the the book is about a talent scout and a musician, like, navigating, you know, a pandemic-shaped world. And I, I guess, I like, I feel like, you know, if the... I'm sure this, I mean, it won a nebula. I bet it has very solid world building. And I Mm -hmm. bet also, I mean, you mentioned The Handmaid's Tale. It makes sense to me that production studios might be looking for a world in which to play, as it were. Um, So how much of the original plot is there, how much they'll use, how much they'll just like go off on their own in this world. I wonder, right? Like, what's the math on that? I think it's probably different for every project. So it'll be, I'll be curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, me too. And how much of a how much of an interest people will have in <laughs> pandemic fiction and uh, media when this comes out. It might be like I can never tell with the general audiences if it would be too much distance or not enough or will be just fatigued. Who knows? Yeah, um, I I mean the feeling that I have is like the world is gonna like we're never going back you know, to the old normal, right? We're going to find a new normal, but we're never going back to the old normal. So it does sort of make sense to me that, you know, media that can help us process a new normal might be welcome. Although, again, everybody's mileage is going to vary so much. So much. (laughs) (laughs) It's curious all the same. And uh, I'm interested. I feel like I'm probably going to watch it because I'm just that sort of person. Yeah. Uh, Well, I rounded up a... Well, I didn't round up this list because I am not that quick. But the Sirens Conference Twitter rounded up a bunch of amazing 150 queer SFF books. So this is a thread you'll want to check out. And this list highlights amazing women, non-binary, and trans authors, which is fabulous, Mm -hmm. especially considering some recent news that we did want to talk about briefly. Yeah. About J.K. Rowling. Yeah. So she has made transphobic statements in the past and at the time of this recording in the past few days has doubled down and really leaned in to her trans exclusive radical feminism. And we have come to a decision as a site no longer to cover her projects and her work. So you won't be hearing about her future stuff on this show. Mm-hmm. And, I wanted to point everybody to an amazing statement from Daniel Radcliffe made in conjunction with The Trevor Project, which if you haven't already heard of them, they are a fantastic nonprofit that works specifically with um, suicide prevention, crisis intervention, etc. for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer and questioning youth. They do amazing work. And Radcliffe put out a statement, you know, saying that you know, he feels compelled to say right now that transgender women are women and, you know, transgender men are men and validating the gender identities of our trans 
fellows is incredibly important always and especially right now. So I will link to the statement. It's really great. Um, if you're looking for somewhere to donate, the Trevor Project is just one of a handful of lots of fantastic. I mean, actually more than a handful. There's lots of great places you could donate out there to support the trans and queer community. And it is Pride Month. So, you know. I hope that we can actually celebrate them as well as doing some repair work after this very upsetting development. I agree. I definitely recommend reading Daniel Radcliffe's statement and checking out this list for Pride and beyond and completely avoiding the Rolling Manifesto. Yeah. If you can. <laughs> There's a lot of pseudoscience in there, I'm just going to tell you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of just, nonsense. It's a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Uh, but yeah, this, okay, so this, I mean, 150 queer books is, what a wealth of reading. Like, my TBR is exploded. It's amazing. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was pleased by, I have read a decent amount of them, which makes me happy, but I mean, it's 150, like, it's a lot. There are definitely a lot, and that's really uplifting and wonderful, and it made me smile, and seeing some familiar faces on the list, and seeing a lot of, you know, black and brown queer people being uplifted and highlighted as well was, that's just a nice silver lining to this week. Yeah. Yep. So thank you to the Sirens Con for putting that, that list together. You are, we are very grateful for you. We are. Um, so uh, we mentioned at the top you would be hearing Tochi Onyebuchi's name again, and that is because he wrote a really incredible and important essay uh, that was published on Tor.com, and it comes with trigger warnings for poli- police brutality and violence. Um, but it is really worthwhile reading. I think especially if you, like me, have struggled to process, you know, the range of protests that have happened. You know, there's been rioting and there's been looting and there's been peaceful protests and there's been dancing protests and there's just like a whole range of experience going on. And um, I, as a white person, like am really grateful for the context that Onibuchi gives to his own experience of violence against the black community, police violence against the black community, etc. I it's nothing that I don't already know, but I think right now it's really important to hear um more than ever. And he's an incredible writer. We already knew that. His fiction is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um but he is also an incredible essayist and I just can't recommend this essay strongly enough. It's called I Have No Mouth and I'm a Scream, The Duty of a Black Writer During Times of American Unrest. And there will be a link to that in the show notes. It's really fantastic. I actually, I read the whole thing this morning and I was just completely in awe because I, I totally get where this is coming from. Yeah. And I think he did such a, to, to encapsulate the feelings of so many and such complex feelings is no easy task. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like completely impressed by this. Good job. <laughs> it's um, hard to make <laughs> words like in the best of circumstances, I feel like, right? So I know. <laughs> I mean, I you know. and I both were like, how do we make words about these things? I'm like, uh, what even? I do not know 
the things that are happening in my head and heart. Right. (laughs) Right. Thank you for the clarity. Yeah, this is what great writers do, right? Is they clarify and process and help us process. Exactly. Very well put. All right. So before we get into our most anticipated picks, we have another sponsor to tell you about. And it is Book Riot Insiders, which is the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. And this is to help you enrich your reading life. We've got three levels of subscription available on Insiders. They're short story, novel, and an updated epic level. And you can try out any level for free for two weeks. The highlight of the new epic level is our group read, which is hosted online and available to all epic members. And each quarter, we're reading a book voted on by subscribers that fulfills at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge. And then we cap off the read-along with a live chat. There's also the amazing new release index, which is included at the novel and epic levels. Um, that'll help you stay up to date with that week's curated releases with zero effort on your own part. It's very it's very pleasing to look at as well. Beautiful mm-hmm. covers. Um, and for all subscribers, we're working with a new featured vendor each quarter to create a deal just for insiders. So you can get the full details and join today at insiders.bookriot.com. All Let's right. Talk anticipated reads. Yes. I was like, I was going through our most anticipated that we did in the first half of the year, and I was just shaking my head at how few of them I've actually gotten to. I know. <laughs> it's like a graveyard of good intentions. I'm just like, oh, here we go. I'm just setting myself up again. <laughs> I feel so called out. <laughs> but, you know, we've had extenuating circumstances, and we just, are going to proceed with our good intentions and we'll we see are. what happens. <laughs> I, I I am very motivated to get to a few of these in particular. My first fantasy pick is Trouble the Saints by Alia Don Johnson, which comes out July 21st from Tor. And listen, I have been reading Alia Don Johnson for some years now. I got to meet her when I was in New York. She did events at the bookstore I worked for. She's fantastic. Her books are so great. And this sounds so cool. It is like an alternate history that explores the Underground Railroad, but is also set against the backdrop of New York City at the dawn of World War II. So, yeah, exactly. There's like a lot going on here. It uh, stars a girl from Harlem who is drawn into, you know, the glittering underworld of Manhattan. And she is hired to, you know, use her knife skills. What? I love a girl with knife skills. uh, (laughs) To strike fear among, you know, the dangerous characters. But she has these ghosts from her past. And now history has appeared on her doorstep. Who knows what that means? Not me, because I haven't read it yet. Um, And the, the zinger question here is, can one woman ever sacrifice enough to save an entire community? Which is like, whew, a big, deep... That's an intense question. So I love her books. Like I said before, she always does something really interesting. And I like how her books are just sort of always one tick off of present day in certain cases. I mean, she's also done, you know, deep future work. But I she's just she plays so beautifully 
with the present in particular. So I'm real excited to see her do some historical work. Uh, so again, that's Trouble the Saints by Aliyah Don Johnson, and that comes out in July. Lovely. Well, my first fantasy pick is Master of Poisons, which, first of all, amazing title. It caught my eye immediately. This is by Andrea Hairston, and this is an epic fantasy book by a playwright and award-winning author. And from the description, it sounds like this is going to be a good one for fans of stories that are heavy on world building, which I am definitely a fan of. And the story is set in this sort of world gone bad, as in it's turning to dust and desert, and the water supply has been corrupted, and moreover, magic is struggling. And then there's the Arkesian, I think it's pronounced Arkesian Empire, I'm guessing here. Um, there's a person in the Arkesian Empire who's been exiled from it. It's our protagonist, Jola who's the right-hand man and the spy master of the Empire's Lord. Whenever I hear Empire, I always think like, oh, it must be like the right-hand man to like a Darth Vader type character. <laughs> I don't know if this is a villainous plot. <laughs> this is just where my brain goes. Uh, but the Empire is described as Jola's adopted homeland and a homeland he's trying to save. And then you've also got Awa, who's a young woman training to be a griot, which I learned is a member of a class of traveling poets, musicians, and storytellers who maintain oral history. And this is this is a word from uh, parts of West Africa. So she's got her own aspirations, living in what sounds like a really fascinating world of interesting people and creatures, including... Pirate queens, war horses, and you will like this one, Jen, protective bees. Oh, yes. So amazing. And then there are also floating cities and there's magic, of course. And I expect this to be a really immersive read. And I've never read Hairston, but she's the author of a few novels, Redwood and Wildfire, which won the 2011 Otherwise Award, and Mindscape, which was shortlisted for the Philip K. Dick and Otherwise Awards. And in a tour interview, Hairston actually described herself as an Afrofuturist in league with indigenous futurists, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the story is going to draw from African folk tales and post-colonial literature, and I can't wait to read it. So... Again, that's Master of Poisons by Andrea Hairston. This is out September 8th from Tor. I do love a bee squad. That sounds amazing. Bee squads are a fantastic. Actually, that sounds like a band name. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That would be the name of my band. <laughs> bee squad. Bee squad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. My next fantasy pick is Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, which is out October 13th. And this is from Saga Books. And so I enjoyed a lot of. I'm Rebecca Roanhorse's work, including her turn as a Star Wars writer. She wrote Resistance Reborn, which was super fun. And this looks super interesting. It is a pre-Columbian fantastical story. And, you know, there are just not that I know because I've looked for get booked like a 
thousand times at this point. There's just not that much genre fiction set in the pre-Columbian Americas. Mm -hmm. And I'm real excited for an author of color, she is indigenous and black, um, to do some interesting things with this kind of premise. So it is set in the holy city of Tova around the winter solstice, which this in this year in the book coincides with a solar eclipse, which is obviously a very rare celestial event, and it is prescribed by the priests as an unbalancing of the world. And a ship has also launched to Tova to arrive on the solstice, and the captain of the ship has powers that can affect like things from the water around her to you know the minds of others. And there are a bunch of other characters listed as well. And it's described as an epic adventure that explores, you know, power and history and individuals, you know, working against the confines of society and their own broken pasts. And that all sounds very interesting to me. And it also is billed as the first in a series. And I would love a good genre series set in the early Americas that is not like weighed down by colonialism. It sounds super interesting. So that again is Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. I love all the books coming out that are filling those gaps. Yeah, it's about time. It really is. <laughs> well, I have another one for your anti-racist reading list. From one of our faves. So my next pick comes from Paige Ellie Clark. And he has a new novella coming out. And if you've read his other work, you know he does a really good novella. So Ring Shout is a dark fantasy historical novel that also sounds like a really good fiction pick. Um, if you are looking for fiction picks to add to your reading list for anti-racist reading. And the novel reimagines the Ku Klux Klan as an organization of demons, like actual demonic forces from hell. And the Ku Kluxes are trying to bring hell to earth. And the description of this book referenced the film, The Birth of a Nation, and when because I never heard of it. So when I looked it up, I was like, okay, I'm never going to watch this film ever, no. ever. Nope. It was this controversial 1915 silent film that portrayed the Klan as heroic and Black people as unintelligent and aggressive, according to Wikipedia. And it was also the first film screen in the White House, which is horrifying mm. and probably would have surprised me a while back, but not so much. <laughs> but the film is also said to be responsible for the revival of the Klan in the U.S. and... You know, reading about the film alone made me ill, especially about reading, like reading about how it was positively received by white audiences while black people and the NAACP protested. And then the Library of Congress preserved it in the National Film Registry. Because why? Anyway, this book <laughs> confronts that film and its effect on the nation. So in the story, the supernatural forces of they're referred to here as the Ku Klux's rise in ranks uh, fed by racism in this version of 1915. But then there are these resistance fighters. There's uh, Maurice Boudreau. I'm sorry, my French is terrible because I don't know French. But she's <laughs> accompanied by a foul-mouthed sharpshooter and a Harlem hell fighter. And they hunt the clan and send them back to hell. 
but the end times are coming and now it's it seems like it's going to be a hard one fight i really love the black gods drums and i love the characters peach ellie clark imagines and he does it so well in such a brief span of book and even though I think I'm going to have to take a deep breath before diving into this one and we'll probably wait until September when it comes out to read it, I'm really excited because I know it's going to be exceptional and I'm sure I'll be telling everybody to read it. So again, that was Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark out October 13th from Tor.com. That is on my long list as well. Such a good I writer, Clark is. Such a good writer. So good. Uh, all right, let's see. My first science fiction pick is The Space Between Worlds by Micaiah Johnson, who is a new author to me. I don't know much about her. She sounds very interesting. And this book is a multiverse novel. I love a multiverse. Uh, let me tell you. <laughs> I just do. I love a multiverse. And this is a super interesting twist on a very, like I've seen done before premise. So you can't visit a world where your counterpart is still alive, which is the thing I've seen before, right? So multiverse travel is possible, but only if, you know, your other selves, your parallel selves are not in that timeline. And Kara is the main character. Her parallel selves, quote unquote, happen to be exceptionally good at dying, LOL sob. Um, <laughs> and so she actually has been ID'd as like an outlier and therefore a perfect candidate for multiverse travel. So she's been like plucked from, you know, obscurity and poverty and now has a nice apartment in this future world in this like fancy walled off city. And, you know, they collect like data for this institute. Um, and she very occasionally gets to see her family, although not so much anymore. And she feels very out of place, both in her like new fancy life and returning to visit home. And then one of her like remaining doppelgangers dies under mysterious circumstances. And she has to like go into a new world with an old secret and find out all of these things discoveries big discoveries coming <laughs> and yeah I just this all sounds fascinating to me again I love to see people playing with the multiverse concept and this just sounds so interesting the cover is also a stunner for the record it looks real good <laughs> so well done to everybody involved this is like very appealing all the, in all of the ways uh, so again that's the space between worlds by Micaiah Johnson Okay, well, again, in New to Me Authors is Bo Young Kim, who brings us a short story collection titled On the Origin of Species and Other Stories, which is translated by Jungmin Lee Comfort. And in fact, this is probably new to you all, um, because unless you can read Korean script as it's Bo Young Kim's debut English language collection. You probably haven't encountered her work before. And apparently she's a very accomplished science fiction author in South Korea. And I really, really couldn't be happier for more speculative work in translation coming mm -hmm. to us. 
The collection is actually a mix of science fiction, fantasy, and myth. So you get a variety here. And I, I love when authors mix it up personally. And the book collects some of her most acclaimed stories alongside an essay on science fiction. We were talking about nonfiction works and science fiction and fantasy a while back. So if anybody is looking for more nonfiction about the genre, you can find it in this collection as well. And the theme of the collection is hinted at in the title. It's about, all about evolution, whether we're talking human or non-human evolution, and whether evolution arrives by way of biology, technology, or social issues. So Bo Young Kim has won numerous awards in Korea. And also fun fact, I found this really interesting. She was a consultant to Parasite director Bong Joon-ho's earlier sci-fi film you might know of because we've been talking about it recently Snowpiercer oh yeah cool to, that information wasn't even at the top and I was <laughs> like wow that's that's really why, fascinating why are you not leading with that <laughs> I know exactly so this isn't all this also isn't going to be the last we hear of her because she has novellas hitting the shelves next year so really exciting that her work is coming to the US. And if you've been looking for more works in translation to add to your reading list, you should definitely check out On the Origin of Species and Other Stories, again, by Bo Young Kim, translated by Jungmin Lee Comfort. This is out October 27th, and it's from Kaya Press. My last pick is very much like a potentially cathartic and also uncomfortable given the current state of things read. Um, but it does look interesting. Uh, it's called Crosshairs. It is by Catherine Hernandez, who is the author of Scarborough, which I haven't read but have heard of. And this is a dystopia and a future in which there have been massive floods, which has led to infrastructure collapse, lots of displaced folks, and then a government-sanctioned regime called the Boots seizes the opportunity to force, you know, basically anybody they don't like. So people of color, the disabled, the queer community into labor camps in the city of Toronto. And the hero is part of the resistance uh, who is, you know, queer himself and he works with other refugees and a social worker and a rogue army officer to try to take down this terrible regime and you know this is one of those books where it's like oh I want to read it I also don't want to read it like yeah so uncomfortable but potentially in a good way so it's uh it's one of those reads where I'm gonna be you know girding myself before I open it up but I think it's important, you know, for us to consider what the future, what we don't want it to look like and, you know, messages of hope in those futures and also to help us process what's going on right now. And this this I'm not saying it is, but it might be a book that can help us do that. So, again, that's Crosshairs by Catherine Hernandez. This is pure coincidence, but my last pick is kind of a contrast. <laughs> so my final pick is a new release from prolific sci-fi writer Kim Stanley Robinson bringing us The Ministry for the Future this fall. 
So if you're looking for more cli-fi, which is a word I still love, no. climate fiction. I don't even know why I said it. I'm just going to say climate fiction right now. It's my least favorite. Just don't. Next to moist. Ugh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking about books. Okay. Uh, so this, this book and this author in general might be for you if you are considering the climate and want more genre reading around it the story takes on our future it's a vision of what may come and it centers on this organization called the ministry of the future which is it says it's established in 2025 and i have to tell you that when i saw 2025 written i thought oh distant future (laughs) and then i remembered what year we're in so that's just where my brain is right now So the Ministry of the Future is supposed to look out for and advocate for the world's future generations. Its job is to protect all living creatures of both the present and the future. And what I found particularly interesting is that the book tells the story of the ministry entirely through fictional eyewitness accounts. So eyewitness accounts and things like government records have been used often enough in sci-fi stories. If you've read enough of them, you've probably come across them a few times. But I personally don't often come across books told entirely in this way. And it sounds like this book might actually be uplifting, which is a rare find maybe right now. Especially when we're talking about the future of humankind. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think like what with the realities of climate change we face today and the concerns some of us have for the next generation, sometimes it can feel like maybe we do need a shred of hope in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So Robinson has won so many awards from the 80s onwards. And if you know anything about him, you know climate fiction is not a new thing to him. His Mars trilogy considers how we might respond to the overpopulation of the earth and ecological disasters and again that story also has a hopeful tone so whether you're a robinson fan looking for more of the same or maybe you're looking for a glimmer of hope for the future you should check out the ministry for the future again that's by kim stanley robinson it's out october 6th from orbit and those are our picks Huzzah! Huzzah! There's so many good books coming out, though, y'all. Like, stay tuned to your (laughs) Twitter and Goodreads, etc. feeds, wherever you get your book recommendations, because there's lots of good stuff coming. Thank you all for listening. We are hope that you are all as well and safe as you can be. Uh, if you would like to email us suggestions, feedback, questions, etc., you can hit us up at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you also are so inclined, we would love for you to review us on Apple Podcasts. It does help other folks to find the show, which we love. Um, and you can find us online in the meantime. Sharifa, where are you at? I'm on Instagram at Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. I am also mostly on Instagram these days at I am Jen I-R-L, and that's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And we will talk to you next time.